Hey, Hawkeye fans, welcome back and Happy New Year, our first Talkin' Hawks episode of 2024. Well, the Hawkeyes fell in the Citrus Bowl to Tennessee. We're going to recap that, and we've got an awesome guest on the podcast today. Spencer Lee is joining the Talkin' Hawks podcast. Hey, welcome back. This is Talkin' Hawks presented by Hills Bank. No matter where you are in life, Hills Bank is here to help you succeed. Whether you're buying your first house, saving for your child's future, or preparing for retirement, you can count on the people at Hills Bank for the support you need to reach your goals. It's easy to connect with a banker in person, over the phone, or on hillsbank.com, because we believe banking is better through human connection. Hills Bank is an equal housing lender and FDIC member. Hello, Matt. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. How's it going? It's good. God is good. Another, another day. Another good day. Well, I don't know if you noticed the colors that I dressed us in today. Because I always pick out your clothes. I don't know if people know that. That's not all the time. <laughs> most just of the most. Time. <laughs> okay, wait, before we start, do I have anything in my teeth? No. I was just eating Estella's before because they brought us lunch today. Yeah, it's very nice. It's so I nice. actually smashed an entire uh, thing of chicken before we sat here. I know. I watched you do it. Hungry guy. <laughs> Hungry guy all the time. Anyway, did you notice the colors that I dressed us in today? Only because I heard you say it earlier. Red, white, and blue. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I have you in blue. If you're listening, I'm wearing red leggings. I have a white shirt on and Matt has a blue shirt on because our guest today is competing in the Olympic trials. Smart. Jeez. I know. Laura. See, I'm always thinking <laughs> Spencer Lee is going to be on today. I'm so excited. I'm very excited. Obviously, he is graduated and um, just a part of the Hawkeye Wrestling Club, but still a great interview. I'm really excited just to catch up with him, see what he's been doing since the last time like Hawkeye fans really saw him, which was NCAAs, um, and just kind of see where life has taken him. And then obviously leading up to Olympic trials, which is a really big deal. So very exciting. I feel like the world of wrestling is a very unique one. So I'm, I'm excited to hear about it. Truly. Because you weren't really a fan until we met. Correct. Is wrestling not a big thing in South Dakota? It is. We had a dude, uh, Mason Bender, actually. I don't think he lost uh, a high school wrestling match from like his freshman year on. Really? Um, he ended up, I think he wrestled at Augustana, which is a D2 school in Sioux Falls. Okay. But um, it, it wasn't something we all like rallied around. Gotcha. Not like Iowa. Yeah, not like Iowa. It was a big deal at Prairie when I was there. Still yeah. is. Was I that mean. the only sport that you guys were good at while you were there? Relax. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and cheerleading. Please. Oh, yeah. That's right. Okay. Well, let's, um, should we get into the bowl game? Yes. Shall we? Okay. I will say it was, it was one that we had to record and watch. We yeah, we were on the flight. Live. We were coming home from Florida. We were in Fort Myers on a family vacation and, um, a week we left on Christmas day, stayed for a week, which is like our cap. That is our... Mm. <laughs> that is, we might have gone over a day or two. But, but like, I think we, uh, in our marriage, have decided that is the cap for vacation. Oh, Seven 100%. days, we don't go past that because it just, it gets to be too much. So anyway, spent seven days in Fort Myers with my family and then came back on the first. And yeah, I had to record the game and then rewatched it all. So tell me what you saw, Matt. Let's start with our offense. We saw a couple different faces at quarterback. And, um, yeah, we started decent, decent, I would say first drive wasn't great, but second okay. drive, um, we started to move the ball. We actually got all the way down to like the four yard line or whatever before Deacon threw the interception. I'll get to that. But, um, like we, we were breaking a couple tendencies. Mm -hmm. Don't get me wrong. We're still mainly 12 personnel, which again means one back, two tight ends. And then you, uh, basically five minus that, which is three gives you two. So five minus the 12 personnel, one plus two is three, five minus three equals two. That's how many receivers you have on the field. Essentially the two numbers that I say, 12, one, and two, the next number has to make it equal five. Mm -hmm. I did an awful job explaining that. That was, I blacked out. I'm not doing that. Well, sorry about that. <laughs> uh, anyway, so we went 12 personnel, one back, yep. two tight ends, two receivers for most of that drive. Um, but we did, we broke a couple tendencies. We actually ran out of the shotgun, which is not something we typically do. Um, and there are pros and cons to running out of the shotgun. 
Tennessee uh, ran it out of the shotgun a lot uh, to their to their credit, and they did it well. Um, for us, it was kind of a change of pace where normally we like to have the running back behind the quarterback when we run, just because a downhill running game is a little bit easier. You've got him on his track. Uh, it times up sometimes a little bit better with the pulling lineman and things versus what they call sidecar, where he's next to him in the shotgun, mm. um, where he hands it off. It's a little bit harder to get downhill. You have to stick your foot in the ground and then go. It's it's just a little different timing. Uh, but we did it pretty well going down the field. Um, and then obviously the third down interception is tough. Um, kind of surprised we didn't run the ball uh, just because that that has been to a point the strength of our offense. You know, we're not our strength of our offense is not the passing game or has not been the passing game up until this point. And so uh, that was a little bit interesting just not to try and do basically like a Northwestern, although we wouldn't want them to stop it. But like they ran it four straight times. Right. Um, and so the we end up throwing on third down. We're trying to hit a crosser late. You can see Deacon look right and then kind of work, work through his progression. Um I think Caleb Brown was stacked with Nico. And so Caleb went to the corner. He didn't like that matchup. Um, so he didn't look there early. That's probably his pre-snap read. He looked right and everything's flowing that way. So his primary read is on the outside. So his eyes are already there. And then basically he can kind of work to the left without having to go all the way across the field. So he only has to read half the field, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, unfortunately, they were playing like a man-to-man fence defense, but had a rat in the middle. Okay. And so a rat is someone who doesn't have a responsibility. You just, they're a rat. They just sit there and then they read the quarterback and then they go. Well, they, he sees that he's only reading half the field. So he drifts that way. It's a diving catch. It's a great catch. You know, they made a play, but we had an opportunity to go up seven, nothing there. And that's a completely different ball game. Uh, mainly because we score a touchdown, but like to put points on the board early would have been really good. Um, so it's just unfortunate that that's what happened, but he was able to read our eyes and gets picked. Unfortunately that happens sometimes. Yeah, I feel like there were a couple of different like miscues um, between Deacon and our receivers. Yeah, the the third and three drop to Caleb <laughs> Brown, which there's been a lot of talk about how Caleb Brown continues to improve, which he's a running back transferred to receiver, um, transferred schools and transferred to receiver. Um, so obviously that's not like an easy thing to do. Uh, they're asking you to do two completely different things. But the third and three drop across the middle, I thought was tough just because Deacon had the pocket presence, stepped up into the pocket, which isn't something that we've seen a ton of. And we probably should see more of if they're going to run past our uh, tackles like that. You know how I think it was the Penn State game might have been the Minnesota game. I was talking about how I think I talked about it against Michigan, too, where we weren't getting a ton of depth because we're trying to run their ends by our quarterback. Well, then our quarterback has to step up into the pocket. And on that one, he did delivers a dart. And third and three, unfortunately, we, you know, it hits us in the in the numbers and we don't come up with it. I think there were two or three other drops that happened. I think Nico had an opportunity on third. Um, some of them were just coaching points, like leverage. I think Nico does a good job of sometimes, you know, setting up the guy. Like, if I want to go left, I'm going to go right first, get him to flip his hips and then go left. Um, he did that later on when Marco was in the game, and we'll talk about that too. But there were some times where I'm watching a route and it's like, okay, if you want to win here, just win there you know, set yourself up. So that way he thinks you can win in or out and then snap it off. And you already won by leverage. Um, so there's a couple things there that I think can continue to improve. Um, and obviously with somebody else coming in, they're going to change some, uh, in, in terms of offensive coordinator, uh, changing a few verbiage things and, you know, the way they want things coached. But, um, there were a couple other times, you know, Deacon's eyes were, you know, looking towards Kayla Brown, like the second interception. So normally that number 27, uh, is a pass rush guy. And he's the one who strips sack Deacon on the two yard line. Um, and so he's normally a pass rush guy. He's a little bit deeper on the interception, but he's in a two point stance. So Deacon's thinking, okay, he's probably coming, right? He's probably going to rush, but he snaps the ball and he doesn't take his eyes off. Caleb Brown throws it right to him, pick six. It's similar to what happened, I think, in the Nebraska game where Ethan Herkett kind of snuck in the middle, just didn't even see him, picked it off, and then we were able to win that one. But um, it's just unfortunate that there were stuff like that, like little coaching points that I don't think we think about, like a, a play action boot that happened. We had a sack. Oh, we were going right to left on TV. I can't remember what uh, quarter it was, but we play action, boot out. And Deacon's got Caleb Johnson in the flat. He can take a couple yards. The DB's right there, but he can get a couple yards and then call it good. But Deacon stops to set his feet. He can't do that when you're when it's play action boot because 
They're not blocking anybody. Like you're supposed to stay on the run. If you can set your feet, great, but it's not meant for you to do that. Unless they've got somebody who's going to come back and seal the backside, um, you know, to kill the guy who's tracking you. But they're going to track you from the backside. So he gets hit and gets sacked and we lose six yards. Like those little coaching points are things that we need to continue to improve. And he's still a young player, right? There are still things that he did well. It's just making sure that we stack on those little things to move forward. And obviously with Cade coming back, I think it's going to change a couple things. But um, I don't think he played terrible. Like a lot of people were saying, I think on social media, I don't, I really don't think he had that bad of a game. I think that drops and then a couple coaching points like that kind of snuck by. But um, I don't think it was as bad as, you know, I guess some were saying. Mm -hmm. Well, and then we saw Marco Linas got an opportunity to go out there. What did you see from him? I guess he had, what, a couple of drives? Uh, he had two drives. Two drives. Definitely <laughs> more mobile than Deacon. Uh, and I think he was our leading rusher at the end of the game, and he only played two drives. Um, you saw that he had a slant. I think it was the fourth down, Nico. Um, he started to get the ball out a little bit quicker, but the game speed's a lot different than it is in practice or scout team or whatever. That's another thing that I saw during, um, I think Joey Labas put out some stuff before he was transferring. Oh yeah. Like practice tape, practice tape. Yeah. And they're like, Oh, look at him slinging. He got sacked in so many of those, but like, they're not going to sack him in practice. Right. You're not going to hit the quarterback. You just run by him. You tap his hip, whatever. And so it's like, okay, he got tapped, step up now throw. It's like, Oh, well, that's great. He got sacked, <laughs> you know? And so it's different when you go into the game speed. And I think Marco saw that too, but he was able to use his legs really well. Mm -hmm. uh, obviously got some first downs. There was like a fourth and 15 and he got 16 yards. Like he shows some moxie there, uh, but he missed the quick out and missed a quick slant. So there are a couple of things that he needs to improve. He's a true freshman. You expect that, right? So I'm excited to see what his growth looks like, uh, especially being able to see a guy like Cade work day in and day out. Um, you know, potentially in that number two spot, because in spring ball, there's no scout team, right? It's all Iowa versus Iowa. So how does, how does that continue to improve? And I almost feel like bowl games have turned into like, uh, like a precursor or a preview, so to speak mm -hmm. of the next year, you know, and what spring ball is going to look like. So I'll be interested, interested to kind of see how he continues to improve. That actually is kind of interesting. It does kind of feel like that. Cause like, their quarterback was a true freshman too. Yeah. He, he did pretty well. He did well. Um, Marco seems like a big guy. Do you know how big he is? I think he's like six two, two twenty five, six foot two twenty five. As a freshman, something That's like that. Crazy. Yeah. <laughs> we won't talk about your weight as don't, a freshman. Don't, don't. We don't have to do it. We've done it plenty of times. Don't on stop. Here. <laughs> Next question. <laughs> um. So that's kind of the passing game, I guess. Run game. We kind of had a carousel at running back. It seemed like had a yeah. few different faces out there. I think we had eight different guys carry the ball in the first quarter mm -hmm. or first half. Excuse me. Uh, maybe it wasn't that many, but it felt like that. You know, Kamari Bolton, Caleb Johnson, LeSean Williams. Jazz Patterson, um, like it was just strange to see that. Normally you find a guy, he's a workhorse and that's it. Mm -hmm. um, so that was a little or bit two. different to see. Yeah. I think it's pretty common for Iowa to have two at least. Sure, like Akram LaShawn, something yeah. like that. But And then you sprinkle in a guy like uh, Derek Mitchell at the time or something sure. like that. But yeah, it was uh, that part was a little bit interesting to me. That's it? Yeah, I, I, I don't know why you would continue to move guys because mm -hmm. I think once you get in the flow of the game, you get hit. It's like, okay, I'm here. I know as a receiver, like, I want to get hit that first time. Like, I want right. to go in there, do a block, boom. Okay, I'm playing. Here we go. Like, mm -hmm. that's kind of the mentality. So I, I would assume running back is something similar. Yeah. Okay. Let's talk about our defense. This was, I feel like, um, a little bit of a different sight for us on defense. Yeah, a little bit different. Um, I think our offense obviously didn't help them, put them on the two-yard line, things like that. But um, they they did what I thought they would do, right? They spread us out to run the ball. You know, and one of the things that I was really good at zone defense and we might pattern match and a couple of things like that, but we don't play a ton of man to man. So we play zone. What did we, you say? We might what? Pattern match. Oh, pattern match. I, I'm telling you, you have to enunciate. It sounded like you said we might pad a match. Like. John, did you hear pattern? You, no, you really have John, to did you hear pattern? You heard pattern. Thank you. Maybe it's just me. Uh, anyway. <laughs> Uh, pattern match, essentially it's like a, it's a zone, but then once, like, once you know what route they're running, you basically run it for them. Cause you're matching, okay. you're matching their pattern. If that makes it. sense. Yeah. So it's, it, it's like zone man. It's like a mixture. But the thing is about defense, especially our defense is we want more guys than you. So if you put two guys out to the left, we want three. If you've got two guys out to the right, we want three. Well, that's six guys over four guys. And now you look in the box, we've only got five left to your six. We're out manned. Mm. And then that's how they ran the ball. Gotcha. 
and it's a really hard ask to ask somebody like uh, Sebastian Castro be like, okay, just kind of be in the box, mm. like kind of put your foot there, but you've got anything wide. It's like, well, that's a lot of ground for me to cover and to try and stop them from getting six yards mm -hmm. just because the way we go. And then late in the game, I think it was, they we were man-to-man, -man, and it's tough to go man-to-man -man like that because if we don't have somebody high, like a rat, like a cover one where everybody else is man-to-man -man and you got one guy deep, if you don't do that and you go man across the board or you bring a blitz, if they get the blocking in the middle, there's nobody else in the middle. Mm. And then because there's nobody deep to save the touchdown. So like it's... I'm not saying that like we didn't have the answers because we've got the athletes. Jay Higgins had 14 tackles, right? Like he's flying all over the field. We know this. It's just unfortunate that, you know, they were able to do that to kind of a more success than I think we're used to seeing. Yeah. You, you touched on Jay Higgins there for a second. I just want to say um, you said 14 solo tackles, 171 on the season, which is seventh all time in all of college football, which is crazy. He's on there with like guys like Luke Keekley. I'm sorry, who? Luke Keekley. He was one of the best middle linebackers to ever play the game. Ended up, he was a first-round draft pick for the Carolina Panthers. Um, These are things that are like in your head, stored, that have never even entered my ears. Yeah, so, he, so went to, he went to Boston College. He was a great, great linebacker. Got drafted first round by Carolina. Uh, was one of the best middle linebackers in the game for a while. Ended up retiring a little bit earlier. He, he was probably in the middle of his prime when he retired. Okay. Had other business ventures he wanted to go down. But yeah, he's a dog. Just, well, thank you so for that. G, so Jay Higgins is in that same <laughs> thing. It's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, and then also, let's see, he tied uh, for most tackles in Iowa history in a season with Andre Jackson back in 1972. Records of 1972 in this season. That's crazy. So anyway, very cool. Congrats, Jay. Well, the other one from 1972, wasn't that the next phase that we're going to talk about? Wasn't um, that a record that we just broke? Yeah, you know, Tori. He broke some records. Let's see. We'll go to special teams. Let's talk about special teams really quickly. Did you want to say anything before I said these stats here for NCAA records that uh, Tori set? Tori was a pleasure to have on the podcast. Yeah. So if you'd like to check that out, there's the very first episode. Mm -hmm. um, what a way to kick it off. Intended. Golly. Yeah. Ah. Uh, <laughs> you see how I did that? Took you bad a second. Bad jokes. Uh -huh. Love them. Really outkicked the coverage on that one. How was that? That didn't apply, but Shoot. I like where you're at. <laughs> like where your head's at. All right, continue. Okay, his NCAA records for the season. Single season punt yards. Was Wait, NCAA or Iowa? This is a tweet I should give um, credit from Owen Sebring. Oh. What? I've been on uh, KC, uh, it's not KCCI, is it? I don't know. Doesn't matter. I mean, anyway, it does matter. I've been on his show. You've been on his show. I've been on his show a couple times. Shout okay. out to Owen. Owen Sebring. Hopefully you're right. <laughs> yes, this is a tweet from him. So all, all uh, credit goes to him for knowing these. But NCAA records, single season punt yards with 4,479. That's a lot. <laughs> Games with 40 plus yard average, 47. Crazy. Career yards, um, 46.3. Oh, career yards per punt. Excuse me, I read that wrong. Uh, 46.3. Single season punts of 50 plus yards, 40. Career punts of 50 plus yards, 103. Okay, that's all the NCAA records. And then he has <laughs> Iowa records here. Um, punts in a season, 93. Career oh. punts, 295. Oh. And career punt yards, 13,657. The first two, it's kind of sad that he had those, but the third one, that's pretty wild. Yeah. So anyway, congrats, Tori. Yeah, congrats, Tori. Very cool. Um, anything else you want to say about special teams? We didn't even get to see our field goal unit. No, and they actually talked about it. The commentators did. Oh, really? Yeah, on that first the first drive where where we were really moving the ball, uh, and we ended up throwing the interception in the end zone. Mm -hmm. um, they were talking about how we were getting into Drew Stevens' territory, but they didn't feel as good about it because he's been kind of up and down. Which oh, sure. I would have been curious as to who would have kicked it. You know, as far as I know, Drew Stevens is the guy. Mm -hmm. Just in that game winning time, they went with meter. But um, I would have been curious to see who would have done it. Yeah. Um, unsung hero. Do you have one? I do. All right. Let's hear your unsung hero brought to you by JB Roofing. Who you got? I got John Nestor. Okay. A freshman. Uh, number coming, seven. Number seven. <laughs> uh, number seven on the field. Oh, just keep going. I was just going to leave that number seven on the field. Uh, not Jacob Bostic, who's the other number seven, but um, he was on the punt unit. He's a gunner. Okay. Um, and he did the one thing now, uh, 
We saw it with Cohen Entringer in the Michigan game where he missed. And I talked about the coaching point, which is you have to take your shot on the opposite hip. You can't take it on the near hip. So John Nestor goes down there. He's on the left side of the part returner and he takes his shot on the right side. I want to say it's first quarter, takes his shot on the right side, trips him up, forces him to go laterally, but he still hit like, because his aiming point was on the right hip, that's where his helmet and shoulder pads were going through. Guy tries to make him miss coming back this way because he knows that if he goes further, his arms are wrapped up. So Nestor gets the hit. He like does this weird thing where he spins out his knee definitely hits. And then he definitely holds the ball in his hand and his forearm and elbow hit, which means you're down. He then gets up and like runs for 40 yards. And then they had to call it back. It was mm-hmm. dumb because he was clearly down. But like he got tackled. Um as soon as he caught the ball, because we did our coaching point, we sprinted down the field, opposite hip, you're within seven yards, you take your shot, boom. So basically, he's the unsung hero because he did exactly what he's supposed to, like what he's coached to do. And we saw it pay off on like a Tory Taylor, boom, down. Like, mm-hmm. if, if we could just call it spot wherever Tory Taylor punts it, that's probably a good thing. Yeah, I think his first punt rolled a little bit, but like, that's about as good gutter plays you can get. Okay. So John Nestor. Unsung hero. Very Unsung good. Hero. So I think what I gathered from that, Matt, from our little recap here is that people are listening to Talking Hawks. John Nestor, following your coaching points, because I know you're the only person that ever gives that coaching point. Mm-hmm. Shoot at the opposite hip. LeVar <laughs> Woods for sure isn't handing out that information. Right? Well, not until that episode. Yeah. <laughs> not until he heard you say it. Yeah. Um, and then also Woods. the Tennessee head coach had to be listening and the defensive coordinator. I'm like, well, you know, Matt said that's how we beat him. Maybe you should stop giving away so much information. I didn't like give plays away. <laughs> just I just give philosophies, okay. kind of. All right, stop giving away too much and how to how to beat us. It's all your fault. Uh, Citrus bowls. Got so much up in this in his brain. It's <laughs> oh. hard to just keep it there, you know. Okay. Well, we are going to get into our interview with Spencer Lee just in a couple minutes, so we will be right back. Need a new roof, gutter, or siding in eastern Iowa? Call JB Roofing, a local and reliable roofer with over 20 years of experience. They do one roof at a time, unlike others who juggle multiple projects and cut corners. They also serve a 45-mile radius around Kelowna and help you with any insurance claims. Don't wait. Call 319-656-ROOF or visit their website, jbroofingkelowna.com for a free estimate. JB Roofing, the small town roofer you can trust. Hey, Matt, did you know that Iowa City Tire does more than just tires? Uh, yeah. I mean, they've been servicing the corridor for like 40 years. Okay, but did you know that until somebody had to tell you? No. No, I didn't. Well, hey, check out how they're doing things in a very different way at Iowa City Tire and Service, where service actually comes first. Visit ictire.com. Okay, welcome back. Well, we are quickly approaching the Olympic trials, so what better time to have on... Mr. Spencer Lee, everyone, please welcome. Hey, how are you? Good. How are you? Thanks for having me, guys. Yes. Thanks for being here. You have a lot going on right now, I assume. <laughs> yeah, a little bit, but it's good. <laughs> a little bit. And you just came here from Cedar Rapids. Yeah, well, I was just visiting my parents. Just visiting your parents. Yeah, so I yeah. didn't know that they lived in Cedar Rapids. Yeah, yeah. They moved here when uh, I committed here, really. I mean, my dad got a job at Co. Okay. Co College. He, he moved here a year before I came to school at Iowa. So. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> gotcha. What does he do at Co? He was the vice president of Co. Just, <laughs> <laughs> just oh, I'm just going to take this job as the VP. Yeah, well, the, the funny story, uh, um, the president there of the, at the time was the president of my dad's college in Pennsylvania um, for like 12 years. So, and his wife had like, you know, illness and the children's hospital and hospitals here had a cure, like a, not a cure, but like a, a, treatment. a treatment for it. Right. And so he moved here and got the president's job at Co. Asked my dad to work there like when I was in eighth grade. But I said I didn't want to live in Iowa. I wanted to live in Pennsylvania. I wanted to win state titles in Pennsylvania. I wasn't trying to like say Iowa wasn't tough or anything. But to me, it was like a I wanted to be like uh, certain people that had won four state titles in Pennsylvania. So that was like a goal of mine. Uh-huh. So I didn't want to leave. So it's funny. Then I came to Iowa and he immediately got a call from the president and was like, hey, you still want that job? You know, so I, he's like, oh, okay, you know, so kind of worked out. Um, oh my gosh. So it's all meant to be. And, yeah, yeah. Funny, right? Funny how that worked. I mean, I mean, gosh, it's goofy. But yeah, my dad ended up coming to Iowa a year before me. He was. Mm-hmm. So my mom and him did like long distance and then um, I met, we all moved here. So that is amazing. Okay. So let's just really back up for a second. <laughs> I just want to talk about your childhood. So you're a twin. Oh yeah. 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 Uh, twin sister. Yes. And your sister is lovely, by the way. Good singer, right? Yeah. She's incredible. She would always sit by me before she did the national anthem oh, really? at, um, at your guys' meets and stuff. And so I got to know her pretty well. She's so sweet. She was always very nervous, which oh, I didn't she's understand. she's so ridiculous. <laughs> 
uh, the, my, my, my favorite memory of her was I was at Junior Worlds like in 2016 and I could hear her in the middle of the match just screaming. My dad had to like make her leave. Because, oh, really? well, because, uh, I was losing the whole match. I ended up winning like at the the last like minute or something. But uh, I, I that's never happened before. I never, I've never been like losing in a match like in freestyle and then had to win. I've always been winning. Mm. Um, so she didn't know how to react. So she was losing it. So she's very very like uh, you know she she's really really uh, supportive. So that's incredible. Yeah. So growing up, I guess. Were you guys always super close together or what uh, was that well, like? Yeah, we were close, but it was hard because um, the extracurricular activities that we both did were so different and at mm -hmm. different times. So well, what like, did she do? She was a band, like art, like theater. Uh, I mean, she was always in like acting classes, always oh, wow. in music. I mean, so she would be busy from like three to eight and mm -hmm. I would be busy from like three to seven thirty. Then I would practice at a club. You know, mm -hmm. until nine. So I would I would literally see her in the morning. We'd drive to school together. And then that was like the only Jeez. time I saw her. Unless we had class together. Like, sure. I never saw her. So, like, being close was hard because, I mean, I was always driving somewhere for tournaments, always practicing somewhere far away. And she was always at the school. Gotcha. So, yeah, she was very, very busy. I mean, she, and she studied really hard. I mean, she had 4.0. I mean, she 4.0 in high, college, high school. You know, very, very, I mean, all she did was study and do papers. And me, I'm like, okay, I got it done. I'm going to turn it in. You know, like, <laughs> I, just, I got too many practices and workouts, you know. So, you know, you sure, know how that bro. is. Like, you do your best, but like, <laughs> you know, you're like, ah, it's due at midnight. I'm going to turn it. I'm going to bed. You know, I got to work out at 6 a.m. You know, do today. I'm yep, going to do it today. Exactly. Like I'm not going <laughs> to do it ahead of time, even though you should do it ahead of time. But I don't because I had to finish it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, workouts and, you know, sleep. And to me, it was food, water, sleep, you know, and energy was more important than my own workout, you know, so Understood. whatever. Yeah. And she was very opposite, you know, so yeah. school was the most important thing. So Okay. And so yeah. did you do any sports when you were growing up aside from wrestling? Uh, not really. I mean, I did soccer the most besides wrestling. Um, but other than that, not really. I mean, I ran cross country one year just to keep in shape for wrestling. It was miserable. I hate running um, <laughs> that far. I don't. I like running, not but different cross country. The yes. coach is like, "Oh, go run nine miles." I'm like, nine miles." You know? <laughs> yeah. Okay, but nine miles is a lot when you're five three. Yeah, that's, that's what I'm saying, steps. man. I'm like, you don't gotta say it like that. But she's she's not wrong though. Like like everyone I'm running Jeez. against is like tall and they're this big and I'm yes. like stocky and I'm you know like I'm all muscle and then and, and, and uh, you know I have legs like this big. You know, I'm Probably. I got seven steps for the three steps you know and See, i'm running hard you know? this is <laughs> true when you got more muscle i'm not saying i'm jacked or anything because i'm not but like when you have more muscle that yes. oxygen is harder you know everyone's skinny like this and they got like lean you ever seen like the the the, the best like marathon runners they don't look like oh, a muscle yes. head right they, they got like they're like yes. this big you know they uh -huh. have to be that's how they run you, you can't get keep the muscle when you're running 20 miles a 100%. week or a day really they're crazy bro right were you good at cross country decent i mean good for like my area yeah for, yeah for me i mean i ran a my fastest 5k was like 1830 which is pretty good that's really good but i about died okay, okay. like i i don't <laughs> think i could ever do that again maybe maybe now i could i was this was like freshman year of high school like eighth okay. grade freshman year of high school like i was 25k that's pretty solid right yeah, i was it was like a almost like a six minute average mile you know okay. so it's that's like six something or 602 or and you just went out just because you were waiting for no, wrestling was, no my dad wanted me to keep my weight down you know oh. keep in shape and like keep it like fresh you know like mm -hmm. for him he was always like you got to take some time off from wrestling so that when you you have the hunger to get back into wrestling because everyone's so worried about burnout you know you've probably heard that a million oh, times in football sure. oh, he burned my kid burned out no you don't burn out you know that's a, it's a mental thing if you love the sport, you won't burn out. That's why he always made it like, so it was like a fleeting, like take it away a little bit. And then you had to, you really wanted to come back to it. So he always did that to me. So he always, that's why he made me do like soccer and cross country growing up, you know, just to like, when I was doing, oh, I'd be I like, I that. hate this. I want to go wrestle. You know? I love so, that. Yeah. So that was kind of like, um, I know you guys have kids, so maybe you, know, you can think about that a little bit. Right. But, uh, for sure. that's how my dad thought of it for me. So, okay. Was your dad a part of your training process? a lot? He was my coach all the way up until high school okay. with everything. And then he kind of gave it me to the high school coaches and i had club coaches um my club coach's name is jody strip matter he was a national finalist here at iowa for wrestling wrestling at my way class 125 two-time national or two-time big 10 champ he only wrestled two years here he was a two-time division two national champ then transferred here to iowa and then he went took second and third at nationals um two-time big 10 champs he was really good um i think he took third olympic trials in 2004 and, and then he retired started a club and uh he's he had the best, number one club in the nation when i was in high school um, he's still amazing club now to this day. I mean, I just don't know if it'd be number one, but it's definitely top three. I mean, and that club is Young, young Guns. Guns. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Yeah, so, yep. And who else have we gotten from Young Guns? Oh, I mean, Caleb Young, Michael Kemmer, um, 
Max Murin. Those are three guys that were all, all Americans on right. our team from Pennsylvania. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Austin DeSantis, he didn't go to Young Guns, but he's from Pennsylvania. Those are the PA guys. So gotcha. Yeah, we had Gavin, but he didn't. He didn't uh, stay here. So. Okay. So when you're, when you were kind of, like you said, handed over to your high school coaches, was yeah. that kind of a breath of fresh air to not be coached by your dad? Or at uh, first was it kind of like a big transition for well, you? Well, he was still there at the club practices. So like, yeah. um, I still worked out in the morning with him mm -hmm. and he coached me at the club practices with Jody. So I still was with him pretty much all day. He just okay. wasn't at my high school practice. They wouldn't let anyone in there to coach or so they would have, he probably would have been there too. So. Wait, so you wrestled high school and club? Like yeah, every day. Yeah. So you go from, so high school practice was at 3.30 and then club practice was at 7.30. So my, I didn't really have a life in high school. Um, I worked out at 6 a.m. every morning, whether it was running some kind of like workout strength. I didn't really lift. I did like calisthenics, push-ups, pull-ups, sit-ups, whatever. I didn't really, I never lifted until really honestly this year. Um, well, I saw you doing pull-ups with like, that's, I think you had like 85, like uh, no, the most I did, oh, I don't even want to tell you the most I did. You probably think, it was like 150 was the most I've done. I did the one pull-up 150, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so <laughs> I'm I have a strong back. It's the only thing I'm good at is pull ups. So I'm not good at anything else. That's, that's, that's wild. All though, I did man. growing up was climb rope and do pull ups. I never lifted or anything. If you put me under a bench, I probably couldn't even do one thirty five. Right? Probably, I couldn't do that when I got to college. You know, I'm, so I'm weak. Fine. So like I with all that stuff, I don't lift. So um, but so uh, anyway, work out at six a.m. Yeah, well then you go to school. You know, eight hours in high school. It's you know horrible, right? You can't leave. Can you not? You don't have two classes and then a break. You know, like in college. And then you get done school at two twenty, but practice at three thirty. So you just like sit in the locker room for an hour. You know, either you do homework or you sleep or whatever. And then all of a sudden you got practice, and I you get home. It's like five thirty, six. You do your homework, eat seven thirty. Practice. You leave at seven. It's a twenty minute drive. So like, and then I get home at nine. You go to bed. You know, because you gotta get up at six. Right. So that was every single day. Oh, right. So like, it was funny as everyone's like, Oh, you know, you, you ever talked to anyone from your high school? I'm like, no, I haven't talked to them since graduation. I don't know. <laughs> I didn't know anybody. Like how, how do I make friends? Wow, like, I mean, sure. and, and then I was like kind of crazy. So like we had a thing that was called QRT at three 30 minute periods. One was your lunch. There was A, B and C. One was your lunch. And then you had two other periods you like homework and stuff. So I always did my homework in one of them. And then during my lunch period, and then the other one, I would run on the track. So like I was always doing for like, fun? yeah, yeah. Well, not for fun. <laughs> for training. <laughs> for training. And I just always wanted to do like extra. Like I didn't run a lot. You know, I'd run like a mile and then like I'd stretch or something just to like kind of keep my body moving throughout the day. Well, you're sitting down all day. It's miserable. Like it felt good to do something. So that was like my day. I mean, so I mean, it felt good to have a workout in the middle of your three other workouts. Is yeah. Well, the other ones aren't that hard. I mean, your morning run, I mean, it was like a 20 minute run in the morning. Not crazy. You know, it was just get your, uh, okay, get your, okay. get your, like your body just get moving. Up and get moving. Right. You know, gotcha. or a bike, something, but it wasn't like kill yourself. Like, you know, how hard can you go? You know, cause I know I had two wrestling workouts that day. So like, you know, and then the high school workouts are never like crazy hard because my team was really good, but like, it was like, you know, coaches were more like teaching stuff. Mm -hmm. And then the club workout was only an hour and a half. So you drove for like 45, go live for like 45. And they had such as one mat. So like you had to switch, you sit on the wall. So, so it wasn't like plenty a, of rest. Right. So there was gotcha. uh, most of it was you had to like do you had to like stay in the middle or not take the rest if you wanted to get more out of it mm. um, for both practices, you know, so. Gotcha. Yeah, it was a lot. High school. I mean, when I think about it, I'm like, that was miserable probably. <laughs> I was crazy. I was probably just like, okay, dad, whatever you want, you know? Yeah. <laughs> I didn't sure. think about anything. And like, so what, I guess, what was training like when you were, what did, okay, here's my question. What did, was your dad a wrestler? Uh, my dad was a national judo coach, like the Olympic team coach for judo. For, okay. For U.S. judo. Yeah. Okay. And so you never got into judo or you no, did? And my mom was also the, the all, and she was Olympic alternate in 92 yes. for, for judo as well. So, so for those that are listening that don't really know much about mixed martial arts or any sort, yeah. sort of martial arts, can you kind of like really dumb it down of what exactly judo is? Yeah. Well, judo is a, basically it's like a, it's a martial art with no striking. It's mostly throws. Um, you have a gi on and they, it's like, like in gi wrestling. Gi is a uniform. Gi is a uniform. Like you grab kind of like what I'm kind of wearing, I guess. And you grab that and you see them if you throw the person to their back you pretty much just win right i mean as simple mm -hmm. ter terms as i can make it yeah um so my mom and dad did that uh judo is not very popular in america in okay. fact it's pretty much a dead sport in america um i hear a lot more about jujitsu than i do judo. right so that's fair because jujitsu is way more popular in the world stage than judo judo is really popular obviously in like J Japan and France and Russia is probably the three countries that win everything. Mm -hmm. um, and jiu-jitsu is obviously like probably South America and, you know, America is pretty big in it too. So Were okay. you, have you pulled a lot of stuff from judo? Because yeah, I mean, of that I background? do stuff and I was taught stuff, but my dad called like wrestle judo because you can't grab someone's like mm. gi in wrestling you have a single on, it's like skin tight, you know, you can't like grab their skin, you know, sure. so, like, so we had to like, if, you know, change it to wrestling, you know, scenarios. So, 
Um, but I wasn't able to do as much judo in college because of my knees, but, um, I did more in high school than, than, so you could, you had to kind of like change the way you wrestled because of that. Yeah. To a point. Yeah. Well, I mean, I had 20 ACLs. I mean, hard to, I mean, I know there's only so much you can do, but to think that like you were still (laughs) at that level and you had, you had to change the way that you wanted to wrestle. Like that's good. That's for me, that's pretty interesting. Yeah, it definitely was um, a learning process. So, you know, and a lot of people, I think it's kind of, I'm not saying I like started a revolution or anything, but a lot of people are starting to wrestle now with torn ACLs. And hmm. before it was like, once you tore, everyone's like, oh, that's it, you're done. You're never going to do anything. But I think people have realized you can cope with a torn ACL in wrestling because your knees are always bent. We don't jump, we don't cut, hmm. you know, we're very, you know, your knees are bent. You can protect yourself a little bit better. If I was in football or basketball or, you know, even baseball where you're running and sprinting, turning, whatever, right. you're turning, you just can't, you just can't, you know, like, I mean, I, I'm not stupid. There's no way I could have done basketball or football with a torn ACL, at least as long as I did, you know, it yeah. was like four years of having at least an ACL torn or both. Right. So out of the six years I wrestled, um, and one didn't even count because I had surgery. So five out of the six, I guess, really, but. So it's like, how do you, like, that's wild, but like, it's like, but it's not as impressive as people might think it is just because, um, it is, if you really work on it and you're, and you're smart, you do have to change your style. You're not as f- f- offensive. You're not as explosive. You're not as like, you know, dangerous of a wrestler as you were before. Um, but it does affect you a lot. I mean, mm-hmm. I was talking to my teammates about it. Like y'all, it's, if you tore an ACL, it's, you probably lose like 20% of like your skill. Like you're probably only your highest ever is 80% to be honest. You know, wow. but you can still win with like, you know, being smart, being so in good shape. Do that and a lot more technique probably. Yeah. Too, you right? just, you just stay in really good position and you, you don't like go for things that you might've gone before, you know, like even now I'm starting to do things that I haven't done since I was like 17, oh. you know, and it's been fun, like wrestling and competing at a, in a way that I haven't done since I was in high school. It's almost like, I always used to joke that I'm, I'm, I'm worse in college than I was in high school, like if athletically. And that's with how I wrestled and the things that I was able to do because I couldn't do them, you know, and people always said I was joking or, you know, cause you know, I, was, I did okay in college. Right. So like people were like, Oh yeah, you know, you're lying. No, but I seriously, like, I wouldn't say I'm better. Right? I'm definitely better now than I was in high school, but, <laughs> right. but like the things that I could do were, you know, way more, like I had way more like, um, variety in my, mm. my wrestling, like in, in the way I in the, how, even how I could train, you know? Yeah. So. I mean, that's gotta be exciting knowing that like college is behind you, but you can do all these kinds of things as the Olympic trials are coming right. up and you're no. feeling that way. hundred like, percent. That's gotta be scary for everybody else. <laughs> <laughs> well, I am. Hopefully it is, you yeah. know, I mean, you know, whatever, you know, I'm <laughs> that's just, awesome. just, that's wild. Yeah. It's been taking a long time to get healthy, but you know, it's been good. Absolutely. Okay. So let's go to high school really quickly. I'm trying to go like in chronological, Sorry, chronological I keep, order I, I here. Keep <laughs> So your recruitment process had to be a little crazy. Oh, uh, I mean, kind of, I mean, somewhat. I just remember so <laughs> I had like kind of just started. I was in like, um, so what year did you get here? Remind me. 2017, 2018. 20s, okay. So I was like one year in. Okay. And I came into the room and you had just gotten there and we, you guys were doing media. Yeah. And my boss was like, you know, Kelsey. Oh, yeah, she I was love like, Kelsey. okay, there's a really big freshman here. Da, da, da. And like my role at the time was like, hey, focus on the people that are here, not like the recruits. So like that wasn't a whole, a, a big part of my focus. And I was like, okay. And all this, I like walked in, it was like, shoom, swarm of media right over to you. Like as a freshman, you're 18 years old. Like, what is that like when you immediately get all this attention? Obviously you got some probably in high school, quite a bit, you know, but getting to college and now it's kind of like national and like all the Iowa media is like on top of you. What's that like? Well, I mean, I mean, it definitely was like a, eye-opening thing you know humbling process for me i mean i was definitely used to like media like right. i mean everywhere i went it was like always a camera on me even in high school or people talking or media calling me or something you know mm-hmm. it just never ended right but it, it definitely like in, in doubled you know when i got to college you know it was way more you know i mean everywhere i go it's like constant you know like even now like i i can't even go anywhere in iowa like get recognized in convenience stores everywhere you know it's just like so it's it's been like humbling because like i was so crazy about their sports mm-hmm. you know so i've always like been very like thankful you yeah. know 
being a part of that. So like when I was 18, it was like a definitely an eye-opening experience to, especially my first media day, like they were all over me. <laughs> it was, it was wild. Not, Kelsey's like, I'm going to pull him over here. I was like, are you sure? I don't well, know. I felt I bad think. for the other team, my other teammates. Cause as soon as I walked in, the media just left my other teammates and went to me. It was like, <laughs> so like the, the, my, my teammates had to stand and wait because they had to wait for them to, to talk to, to, to yeah. me. And then go to them. And I'm like, I was like, I haven't done yeah. anything yet. Like, That'd be so salty. Yeah, right? Right. <laughs> like I had my teammates were good like uh, they weren't they weren't bad at wrestling like yeah, i hadn't even done anything yet like it was just like a, <laughs> totally different i haven't wrestled yet like they don't even know how good i was like sure oh my gosh okay so that well i guess with media though do you guys do any kind of like media training because we were talking about this where like hmm. iowa football is very like plays everything close to the vest you don't okay. want to like, say we too go much. through media training on oh, what really? you say because you don't want to give bulletin board material no whereas like that's part of the shtick Fair i feel enough. like of wrestling like, yeah i will say what i want when i want Somewhat. I mean, we're definitely told certain things by like our media people not to say or like how to like say present something, yourself, present yourself. Yeah, but really not really. We don't like actually have training. Sure. Um, I mean, my dad basically trained me from when I was like seven years old to speak in front of cameras and media. So like I was always, you know, pretty proficient at it. But like, you know, we didn't get it from Iowa really as much. But uh, well, like Akram- we, we had it if you wanted it. Oh, okay. I got you. But I got no you. one wanted it. <laughs> they didn't want to go through extra stuff, right? So gotcha. I'm not saying we didn't have the opportunity to have it. We just were like, like, do you want it? Like, if you want it, it's there. Yeah. You heard that a lot, right? Right. You know? it's, right. It's like office hours. and, and <laughs> <laughs> yes. I feel like it's kind of part of the, like, wrestling, like, MMA, like, boxing culture is, like, you kind of want to make a spectacle out of it. You kind of want to, like, you want to amp it up a little bit, right? You have to know your audience, and you have to know yourself. Mm. And, um make a name for yourself somehow. Gotcha. How can you present yourself in a way where people want to watch you? Because at the end of the day, we're entertainment. We're not different from it. People don't watch you because they're like, oh, he's such a nice guy. Like they want to watch entertainment. Like sure, they might like who you are as a person, but at the end of the day, they want to watch you compete. And that's the same thing for every sport. Yeah. So when you do talk to the media, you have to know who you are and how you, how to present yourself in a certain way. So some people, I think, do a good job. Some some people have to do better, probably. So well, I feel right. like that's the unique part of sorry, but that's the unique part of like wrestling is like you are a part of a team, but mm-hmm. it's still got the individualistic. Uh, you know, you got 100%. seven minutes where it's just yeah, you out there on the mat. Hundred percent, and that's that's why you have to know who you are and give the media what you think they should get. Mm. that makes sense sure you know i probably bored everyone when i was doing interviews i said the same stuff over and over again (laughs) same thing yeah (laughs) you know i was like i didn't want to give them anything you know (laughs) no they move all in space you're good you know that's the way it is exactly every freaking week and every freaking week tuesdays i had to go out there and talk to them and i said the same thing i always said the next best thing and the next best thing is the next competition because it's the next one and they're always like okay spencer (laughs) (laughs) um it just makes me think of DeSanto obviously like you said another guy that came from Pennsylvania and you guys wrestled against each other um, in high school and he was kind of like a a wild thing when he came to Iowa right he was wild before but (laughs) right but what I'm saying is like he was wild before and then when he came here it almost seemed like Tom and Terry had kind of like had to rein him in a little bit were you kind of a part of that process and like like how did you see him change when he got here and kind of mold into that Iowa culture and what that looked like well yeah I mean I, I was the one who recruited him um when he got kicked off the team, um, I knew him from high school. So I ended up messaging him being like, because I, I don't know if you know the story, me and him wrestled twice in high school, both years in the state finals, my junior and senior year. Um, uh, and when he beat me my senior year in the finals, I remember we were walking to the podium and I grabbed him and was like, why are you going to Drexel? Mm-hmm. Like nothing against Drexel. But I was like, you should need, you need to come be a hawk. I was like, you, you're a hawk guy. Like that's who you are, you know? And he was like, oh, my parents want me to go to Drexel, you know? Like he just listened to his parents, right? And as soon as I saw that, I called him. I was like, and he, I know, I know that like other coaches were messaging him. He didn't answer anybody. But when he got a text from me, like it's a respect thing. We had respect for each other because you know I beat him the year before. Then he, you know, had like the, the vision quest that everyone like from high school, and he ended up beating me. And uh, so we had respect for how he trained and how I competed, you know. And uh, so he answered me, and he literally was like on a visit like <laughs> the next week, and he was like wow. committed. You know, like, and it was awesome because like, uh, I got to get to know him, mm-hmm. you know, and I got to, you know, get a new training partner. And then I got to see him grow from freshman Austin to who he is today. I mean, he's still one of my best friends, if not my best friend. And, uh, he's matured a lot, you know, yeah. it's, it's been really impressive to see who so he is he today. He a loose cannon or he was when he first yeah, got no, here. Yeah, no, he just, he was a very about. emotional 
person, like he wore his emotions on his sleeve and it wasn't like in a negative way. Like he never, he, he was never trying to like be derogatory towards any opponent or, or coach. It was always in defense of our guys. Like a guy on their team would like, would like thumb down or point at Terry and flex on him. And, and, and Austin's like, that's my coach, you know? Yeah. So immediately mm. he's like, that guy, I hate him, you know? And then he'd go out and he'd kill their guy and he'd look <laughs> at that guy and they'd run at the, you know, you want, then he's trying to run at the guy, you know? Cause to him, it was like, how can I defend my program, my coaches, my leaders, you know? Mm -hmm. And he did that so much. I mean, every op everything you've seen pretty much, there's only one instance where it wasn't like that. That's probably his most notorious one. I'm not going to go into it, but the one that he wasn't in Iowa then when he was in Iowa, every instance of, of you seeing him be crazy, was probably in defense of something that happened, mm -hmm. whether it was the guy said something under his breath or said something, you know, and he, but he just reacted wrong too. Like, like if someone punched me in the face when I was in college, while I was wrestling, I would have just walked back to the middle. I wouldn't have done anything. Like, cause mm -hmm. to me, it's like, oh, I won. Like, see, see you dude, <laughs> like go have fun. Right. Like, you're, you're DQ'd. Like I wouldn't have cared. Cause that's just like, you know, I don't know if I, I rarely showed emotion, even when I would win anything, you know, because it, to me, it didn't matter because you're supposed to like, to, you're supposed to act like you've been there. That's how I was taught. Right. So mm -hmm. like Austin was learning how to deal with people pushing his buttons. You know, people would try and do stuff to get in his face. They tried and hit him in the eyes or like, you know, they'd do stuff underneath, you know, where the ref can't see and try and get him a, a rise out of him, you know? And mm -hmm. So he's, com he's completely had a 180 from, yeah. from then. And it's been pretty cool to see. So it's been so fun to watch. I mean, yeah. I mean, he's very he's a far removed from the outside. Yeah, yeah. It's so cool. He was one of the funnest guys to watch, obviously in when, Carver. And he's such a good dude. Like people yeah. just don't know. People have a bad image of him. And I hate that because if they even talk to the kid for five seconds, they'd be like, wow, he's actually like a really awesome guy. He's just very emotional. And, you know, he had to learn to control his emotions. It yeah. took a long time, you know, he's a competitor. Oh yeah. I mean, he's the ultimate competitor, man. He gets heated, you know, <laughs> love it. We are going to take a quick break. We'll be right back with more from Spencer. This season, Marquis Pizzeria is teaming up with Nico Regani to help the University of Iowa Children's Hospital. Together, they've created a new signature pizza, the Nico Parm. Sounds so good. $2 of every pizza will be donated to the Children's Hospital. Visit Marquis Pizzeria located in the Coralville River Landing this fall and help the kids by eating pizza. Bugman Pest Control. Rest easy when you have the Bugman's top-rated defense protecting your home and business, providing maintenance and prevention treatments for any problem. Call today for a free quote, 563-554-BUGS. Proudly serving the Hawkeye State since 2008. Locally owned and operated, Performance is a full-service restoration company serving Eastern Iowa. As an IICRC certified firm, their multi-licensed technicians have decades of experience in water, mold, and fire mitigation. Whether it's your home or business, this is the team you want in a time of need. Performance Restoration, 319-626-2292. The Appliance Barn offers a wide range of high-quality appliances at unbeatable prices. Whether you're in the market for a new refrigerator, dishwasher, or washing machine, they've got you covered. They also have a delivery and setup department to ensure your appliances get delivered and installed quickly. To find out more, visit appliancebarn.com. Can you talk to me about wrestle-offs? <laughs> I feel like that would be... as With a sport that is individualistic, as you just said, but then also a team sport where like, you guys are 100% have each other's backs, right? Mm -hmm. But then you're in wrestle-offs and it's like, it's kind of my enemy at this point, right? Is that, like, what is that like? Yeah, I think that... Well, hold on, before you go, sorry, can you define what a wrestle-off is? Yeah, of course. People? Well, I don't know what that is. <laughs> gotcha. Well, so essentially a wrestle-off is where two teammates wrestle and the winner is essentially the starter. So, so same weight class. Of the same weight class, gotcha, correct. Gotcha. So some yep. two people wrestle in the same weight class and whoever wins becomes the guy. Gotcha. But we don't really have legit wrestle-offs. Okay. Even if you win the wrestle-off, you might not start. Because mm. it's about who the coaches think will perform the best on the mat. And obviously, you beating the guy is a good indication of, of being a better wrestler. But in some cases, some people have wrestled the same guy multiple times in practice like for years and they have, they're just really good against the one guy and then you send him to a tournament and the other guy wins and he doesn't place like it happens a lot mm. right so it's like which guy are you going to start the one that wins in the wrestle off or the one that won the tournament you know it's like that's a tough choice that's why the coach is the coach right so that's why i don't think wrestle offs are that serious in our room they are of mm -hmm. course no one wants to lose but it's how hard you work do you pass the eye test our coaches always say like how how hard are you working? How how bad do you want it? How much effort are you putting in? You know, are you doing the, the the most you can to be the best you can be every single day out? You know, who's who wants the spot more? Basically, is kind of how we think of it. You know, so our wrestle offs used to be like public; people could come in and watch, but they're really just inner squad 
Mm-hmm. Get gotcha. you matches. It doesn't mean anything, you mm-hmm. know? Okay. So that's fair. But so, but, but and then the guys do somewhat get heated, but not like that. I mean, a lot of, I've seen so many guys wrestle off and then go talk about their match together, like in the oh, locker room. Sure. Like, because we're teammates, man. You wrestle right. the guy so much, like, mm-hmm. unless you do avoid him, which Tom would never let happen. <laughs> <Yeah>. You know, <laughs> like he's like, what are you afraid of? Go, go, either whoop his butt and show him who the man is, you know, like, uh-huh. right? So, okay. So, makes, sense. makes sense. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Okay. So I want to talk about Tom and Terry. Because everyone, including myself, is enamored with them. Because, like, (laughs) as people, as coaches, whenever anyone asks me, like, who's your favorite person to interview? It's a common (laughs) question I get. It's always Tom and Terry slash anybody in the wrestling room. Because you just never know what you're going to get. That's true. (laughs) Good or bad thing, maybe, you know. It's good. It's good. Um, But, like, obviously you were drawn to them to be coached by them and, and recruited. What kind of, I guess, drew you to them? And then... Like, I mean, you're still in the Hawkeye Wrestling Club. And Absolutely. I mean, what kept you here with them? Yep. Um, I think I was, when you say enamored by their energy, um, mm-hmm. how they wrestled and competed as athletes and the energy they have in the corner when they're coaching you. Um, some people may not like the energy they have in the corner, but I didn't want them to be coaching against me. Mm-hmm. I didn't want to feel that guy, like, you know, get built up from that, you know? Like, I wanted them to build me up almost, you know. And then, they, obviously, they're incredible coaches. They were both ridiculously good wrestlers. I mean, even watching Tom coach sometimes and show stuff, I'm like, you're ridiculous, man. Like, he's, like, 55, and I'm like, I think he would still beat me. Like, you know, <laughs> it, it almost pisses me off because I'm like, I think he would whoop my butt, right? You know? <laughs> I'm, like, supposed to be my prime. I'm supposed to be pretty good, you know? I'm like, I feel like my coach would whoop the crap out of me, right? So, because um, he, he is legit, man. He, he would have won in 2002 had he mm-hmm. kept competing. Shooty could probably win two, 2004 too. Guys <laughs> nuts. Um, and just decided as a coach. So everyone teach their own, right? But um, yeah, I, uh, I mean, I, Terry should have won 96 and 2000. So mm-hmm. they should both have two or three Olympic gold medals in my opinion. But that's right. not even not even biased. I mean, I just watching the matches that they had. I mean, Terry should have won. Mm-hmm. He got kind of gypped and then Tom just didn't compete again. So. Sure. <laughs> um, so I, when I would watch them, how they compete, how hard they wrestled, how bad they wanted. I mean, the one thing that stuck out to me was the Tom Brands Olympic finals match. He's winning six to zero or seven. I think it was seven zero. He's just beating the, like the absolute, you know, the, whatever you want to say, like out of the guy, he's just killing the guy. Right. In the Olympic finals. Just, I mean, and, and wrestling today for all those out there, two point takedowns. Now it's three point in college, but it used to be two point takedowns in college. It's still two point in freestyle to this day, but when he wrestled, it was one point takedowns. So he was up seven zero with one point takedowns, just absolutely destroying the guy, you know, in the Olympic finals. And there's like seven seconds left, eight seconds left. Most people would have just circled and like kind of like you know started celebrating beforehand because there's no that guy's just you know he can't win like mm-hmm. you know unless he it's not possible really yeah. as good as Tom is in seven seconds to score more seven points or pin the guy right. So I remember Tom literally running the guy out of bounds and then there was still time on the clock. And then he literally was on the guy's leg, picking up, trying to score with like one second left. And then he threw the guy on the ground and then walked in the middle, no emotion on his face. I'm just sitting there like Olympic finals, seven. Oh, I'm seven <laughs> seconds left. The other guy, I guarantee the other guy would have stood up and like hugged me or something. And like, just like, it's over. Right. Uh-huh. You know, Tom's like, he would get off, you know and just like would have took the guy down again. Like he's like, there's still time on the clock, you know? And to me, I'm like that, that's how they are. Like, like when there's time on the clock, you don't stop. Like you just, you, you, you just in, invoke your will into the guy, you know? And I'm just like, man, like that's just how they both were though. Terry was the same way. Mm-hmm. That was just, that's just the one example that I had. Just like, just absolutely winning in the situation where like, it'd be like in football, you know, you're winning by like 35 <laughs> and there's eight oh, seconds yeah. after you're throwing Hail Marys, you know, like it's like, <laughs> you're like yeah. what are you, you can't get a field goal, you know, and then you score another three points and you're like, yeah, you know, <laughs> it's like, why? Like, I said, Tom was like, there's still points on the board. Like, there's still time to score points. Like, that's right. just how they are. So like, um, I was like, wow, that's just, and I, I, I wanted to be like that, mm-hmm. you know? So like the, I, I always tried to emulate how they wrestled in high school and, you know, I wasn't like them in college, you know, but I wish I would have been more like them in college, but, uh, that's kind of why I was like, man, like these guys could even give me an inkling of who, how they were and how they wrestled, how they trained. Then maybe, you know, I could be something. So, okay. Yeah. Very good. So tell me about where you're at right now in the whole process. So I'm kind of ignorant to where you're at as far as like, how do you, how did you get to the Olympic trials? How many right. people compete to get to that point? What did you have to win? Like how yeah. does all of that whole process work? Yeah. So, um, Olympic trials, um, you have to qualify. There's, three qualifiers mm-hmm. there's a, a tournament called the bill farrell only the champ qualifies then the u.s senior nationals or u.s open senior nationals i don't even know what it's called to be honest i think it's 
I think it's senior nationals on the year of Olympic year and U.S. Open on non-Olympic years. And the top five of that qualify for Olympic trials. Um, so I ended up winning. I actually won both of those. Um, I didn't need to go to the senior nationals. I just went anyways. Um, I think I took a spot from someone when I won. So I think only four people were qualified from that. Oops, I didn't know. I don't I don't know if that's how that worked, but that's what I was told. So <laughs> okay. um, I just went just to compete. Um, I beat the same guy in the finals both times, um, the Fairline, they opened, so, or the senior nationals or whatever. So um, that's like six guys qualified. There'll be a last chance qualifier. Okay. So there'll be one more guy. You're going to go then, just for fun. Take I'm not allowed to go that one. <laughs> I th I, if I was, I thought I'd think about it, you know, maybe just for fun, right? But uh, I'm joking, but it's the week before the big trial. It's probably not the best idea to go to that. But I was joking. Like, what if I went to that? I just stopped another guy, you know, like <laughs> everyone's like, what a jerk, you know? Um, but yeah, no, non-qualified people have to go to that. You gotcha. can't be qualified. So um, yeah, that's the week before. And then the other people who are already qualified or anyone that was already a senior royalty member in the quad. So from, you know, 2020, 2024, mm. I think it goes, I think it even goes back to 2018. So I think it's 2018 to 2024. Anyone who's in the world team at the weight above or the weight below qualify for Olympic trials. Or if you're like a world medalist um, at either weight as well, obviously. So I mean, obviously if you're a team member qualified, mm -hmm. obviously the medal doesn't matter. But if you're a world champ, then you start in the semis if you're not in the same weight class. So the your weight above me and world champ, there's a guy who's a world champ at the weight above me, who'll start in the semis at my weight. And it, But if you're a world champ or, or world medalist, or yeah, no, if you're a world champ, you start in the finals of the big trials from the year before. So we don't have anyone that's a world champ. Gotcha. So it'll just be the three guys who, so there's been two guys who made our world team or three guys who made our world team at my weight since 2018. So those three guys are qualified and the guy who won a world title. So he's the fourth that's qualified. So there should be like 11 or 12 guys in my bracket. Okay. So it's a pretty small bracket, but only the champ goes to the Olympics. Is it the same weight class as college? Is it 125? It's like 125.6 or something. It's, 50, okay. it's in kilograms. So Is it hard oh. for you to stay at 125? Or is it pretty um, easy? I mean, I would say that it's harder now that I don't make weight every week. So mm -hmm. when you're in college, we make weight every single week from like October to March. So you get pretty small when you make weight every week. <laughs> right. You know, when you're constantly at 125, your body gets used to being that size. So it's pretty easy at some point. Eventually, you're just naturally like never above a certain weight. Mm -hmm. But when I compete four times a year, you know, it, it gets a little harder. So and, and then the older you get, you get a little bit bigger. Your weight goes right. up a little bit more, you know. So I, I was never big for my weight class. So it hasn't been that hard to make the weight. But I'm definitely bigger than I was in college, even though it's only been a year, which is unfortunate for me. I'd like to be a little bit smaller just okay. for my sake, you know, my, you know, but <laughs> it's all good. You know, I got time. So, OK, who's going to be in your corner at the trials? Um, probably Tom, Terry, Dennis, probably those three, one okay. of those three, Very two good. of those three probably will be in it. Dan nice. Dennis is the hockey wrestling club coach. Yep. And then Tom and Terry. So. Okay. Yeah. Very nice. Yeah. Were you at the soldier salute this past I week? was. Yeah. I was coaching some of the unattached guys. Okay. Nice. Yep. yep. All right. And do you like that aspect of it? Coaching some of the other yeah, guys? Yeah, I love, co I mean, I, I, I love coaching those guys. I mean, they're like, they were my teammates. So mm -hmm. like, like my brothers, you know, so it's a, it's a bit odd being like a coaching mentor figure kind of, sure. you know, cause it's like. Imagine listening to me when they saw I'm like a goofy guy, I joke around a lot, you know, and it's like, and then I get all serious and try and coach them. They're like, oh, shut up, Spencer, you know, like, sure. <laughs> you know, is that what you want to do when you're all the way done wrestling? Do I don't know, coach? man. Everyone always asks me, you could be a coach, you could be a coach. I don't know, man. I'm just trying to, I'm trying to win the Olympics and Understood. go from there, you know, <laughs> you know, you know, I have a contract with the Cockroach Club through 2028. So I plan okay. to compete until then. That was one of at those least. answers. So you got time. That was the media answer. The next thing is the next biggest thing. Yeah, yeah next biggest thing. Whatever's next is the next biggest thing. Like tomorrow, practice. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I get it. Well, it's got to be interesting seeing a coach wearing an aura ring. We talked a little bit before we started. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Uh, can you tell us why you're wearing yeah, that? Yeah, well, uh, I mean, well, first of all, you know, getting good sleep is good. Getting to know your sleep is good. Having a schedule. But uh, I'm a gamer, so I stay up a little bit. So um, it's good to keep me accountable. <laughs> You know, if I get a text from my, you know, strength coach saying, hey, why the heck you only get five hours sleep? You know, that's probably bad. So got to go to bed earlier, you know, and they can see your average sleep of the week, too. You know, so like okay. you might have good couple of nights in a row and they can, you know, one bad day might drop it pretty hard. So got to keep consistent. You know, sleep is probably the most important thing for an athletes. So, okay, got to work on that. And so, so since your last um, NCAAs with Iowa. What did that look like for you in terms of like, were you, did you stay in Iowa? Were you staying with your parents? Were you training right away? Uh, like? Well, so actually the, the, the U.S. Open was a month after the um, NCAA tournament. Mm -hmm. It was like three weeks or something. Um, I really didn't train at all leading up to the Open. I didn't even want to go. 
but uh because i was like not really all there mentally and then uh i just kind of said hey i think i have to go because Mm -hmm. it was basically the world trials so the top like i think it was top four guys would go compete at this other place tournament but the top two would wrestle the guys in the the finals so there's a guy sitting in the finals so you had to win the open if you won the open then you'd wrestle him best out there to make the world team so i made the semis then i forfeited out of tournament because i was hurt and uh so i mean i got a lot of crap for that same with ncaa's and open but that's what happened i can't help it you know um so i ended up not you know competing the rest of the tournament but I had to go because if I don't go, then I wouldn't have wrestled until the Pharaoh I just wrestled in because I was the next oh, tournament. Wow. So it was either that, you know, so I had to go. Um, um, so I, unfortunately, I mean, I, I, uh, I mean, it was like last second. I mean, I really decided to go like three days before the tournament. Oh my gosh. I wasn't even like wrestling or anything. Um, cause I didn't, but my Tom was like, we kind of have to go, don't we? And I was like, yeah, I think you're right. You know, so <laughs> just kind of went right. Um, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I don't know. It was unfortunate. I would have liked to have, cause it, it kind of hurt me for this year because there are ranking tournaments and tournaments mm. to get a seat at the world or olympic team or the olympics i mean and i can't go to those tournaments because the people who get priority to go to those tournaments are those who are on the senior team senior national team so in the senior national team for those who don't know is the top three guys at the weight class at the previous world trials so whoever made the world team and then the second and third guy those are the senior team members i forfeited it took sixth so i wasn't on the national team right so um I don't get priority to go to any of these tournaments. Mm-hmm. You know, there's one literally next week in Croatia. I couldn't go, right? So, gotcha. um, and that's, you know, stinks, you know, for me to not be able to do those things, but that's okay, you know, still have the opportunity to make the Olympic team. But, mm-hmm. so that's basically what happened. I went to that and then after I was forfeited out, I, uh, there was nothing to do um, until the Bill Farrell. So I ended up actually uh, going to Japan for a month. Um, my buddy, his name's Takdo Taguru. He won the Olympics in 2021 at 65 kilos. I went and hung out with him. He was, I've been friends with him since we were in the same bracket at Cadet World Team or the Cadet World Championships back in like 2014. Um, so I won his bracket in 2014 at Cadet Worlds. And then he won like two world titles at the other two world championships age group. These are age groups. So Cadet's 17 under mm-hmm. and juniors 20 under. So I won one cadet, two juniors when I was in high school, world, world titles. And he won... Uh, one cadet, one junior, but we would be missed. We would always miss each other because I would get hurt and then I would, or then, or he would get hurt and we would always go to different worlds. So when I won three and he won two, we never went to the same worlds that we won. So we were always trying to meet with each other because we were buddies. We we traded singlets, kept in touch. And they ended up winning like a senior world title in 2018 when he was like 19 years old. And I won NCAAs that year as a true freshman. So I was trying to make the um, world team that year, but the coach had never been healthy, so I took that summer off. That was the only summer in my entire college career where I wasn't hurt. And then 2019, 2020, 2021, 2022, I was hurt every summer. So I never made a world Olympic team, never went through world trials. I've still never been to a world trials, really, because oh, wow. I forfeited out of the last one. I didn't even, like, I didn't even lose, you know, I didn't. So I had never in college tried to make a world Olympic team, you know, and I was like, I think I was the two seed at the 2021 Olympics trials, but I didn't go. It was the week after I won my third national title. It was like nine days after, not quite a week. And I had two torn ACLs and I was just not healthy from the tournament. I mean, I was all sorts of messed up. I, I really wanted to compete, but the doctors were like, we don't know, even know if you can. And uh, so it was really hard. I really, I don't know. Sometimes I wish I did. Sometimes I wish I didn't, but I try not to have any regrets in my career. Right. So yeah, it's been, it was a crazy, went to Japan, hung out with him for a month. That was really cool. One of my, you know, only vacations I've had like the last 10 years. So <laughs> been it was awesome you know yeah. i really loved japan i would i would freaking live there the place was really? so cool yeah okay. it was awesome the food was amazing i mean i i was like disappointed coming back to america for food, you know <laughs> um so that was cool i trained a little bit there not really much i wasn't there to train but a bunch of schools found out i was there like colleges and stuff they wanted me to come wrestle with their guys so i was like oh my gosh you know and that's i wasn't pretty, i wasn't that's even, pretty cool i thing. wasn't even healthy either so like i'm trying to wrestle these like college national champs in japan <laughs> and i'm like all hurt and everything it was, it was pretty fun but okay yeah but that was what i did so i did that and then immediately i went to we had our camp for the university camp and i helped run that okay and then basically it was like august and school started and i was i'm in grad school so i had to be here so that was my that was my summer after my last year so what are you in grad school for uh sport and rec management very good that was my undergrad as well yeah awesome yep. okay i'm gonna ask you one more question and this is just like a, a mentality question because I know a lot of people say wrestlers are a different breed. I'm sure you've heard that a million times in your career. We're definitely unique. Yeah. <laughs> so my question is, is that something that's learned? Is, like, is it a mentality that's learned or is it a mentality that you're born with? 
Oh, like there's I mean, not a whole lot of high school guys. They're going to take their free periods and go out and run an hour around the track. Yeah, but you probably hear more wrestlers do that than anyone else. That's what I'm saying. So you know, is it and like, I don't think that's a, I mean, I think sometimes traits like that can be inherent. I mean, I would say my dad was a lot crazier than I was. Okay. Hearing stories about him, even my mom would say, I mean, even to this day, he's nuts. I mean, he works, he's a, he doesn't work at Co anymore. He works at St. Cloud State. Uh, he's the vice president there. And he, the guy literally works from like 6am to 10pm every day. He just, he just doesn't stop. I mean, he's like, an, I, I don't even think he's human, honestly. Mm-hmm. And that's how he is with everything. Like, that's how he was coaching me. That's how, he, I mean, he would drive me four days a week, two hours, two both ways to go to clubs just to get partners every single week for nine years, you know? Jeez. So like, I mean, we want to talk about crazy. That's him. So like, I think I get some of that inherently from him, sure. but I'm nothing. I mean, if I was like him, I mean, maybe I'd be better. I don't know. He's, he's a hard worker, man. And, uh, but I think sometimes the wrestling people are like that, but I do think that's something that's taught. I think coaches, um, enforce those like, you know, mental like fortitudes, like into you, like those, like, you know, how, how, how to be the best, you know, this is how this guy did it. This is how this guy, you know, cause you, you see like, I think a lot of it too is like with our weight cutting, like keeping our weight down, you have to work out a lot to keep your weight down as well. So you're doing things to be better and then you're doing more and then you're doing things to keep your weight down and keep in shape because it's a very cardio sport. You know, imagine like just sprinting for seven minutes. That's basically what wrestling is, you know, and squeezing hard with someone else pushing against you. That's like kind of what wrestling's like, you know? Um, so you get really tired. So you have to be in really good shape. So I think a lot of it is knowing that how hard it is and how tired you get you got to make sure to get as li- least tired as you can. So I would say that's probably some of the reasons why wrestlers are a bit nuts, but <laughs> okay. I think all, I think all athletes are crazy to be honest. It's Especially all different, that. you know, cause I think, I think every sport is like, I don't think there's a hardest sport. I think they're all crazy hard because there's different mental and, and like different time constraints in your sport and how you have to do to get the, be the best at anything. How, you know, if it was easy, everyone would do it. Right. So, okay. <laughs> Um, I want to say one last thing because I think it's kind of I'm gonna I'm gonna put these positive things out there because I feel <laughs> like it's gonna be like a book ending, right? So we talked about at the beginning of this podcast that your dad would keep it just far enough away from you, yeah, and you would compete, you can compete and be like, ah, just step away from wrestling real quick. You're like, no, 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 I want to wrestle again, right? And you said you were hurt the last five summers. Yep, you had to forfeit out of the last worlds. Yeah, because wrestling is just like right there, right there, right there. Yeah. And now you're doing things that bring you back to high school. Yeah. I'm getting chills talking about this. (laughs) Like for you to finally get that, like that kind of book ending of like, okay, I've been, I've been chasing it, been chasing it. Mm -hmm. My dad's been keeping it apart when I was younger, different circumstances. I've done that in college, but now to do it professionally, like the, the Olympic level, Mm -hmm. the world level, like that, that's what I'm cheering for is like, okay, the, the book ending to this of like, I'm finally going to catch that. Yeah. I'm looking forward to that. Well, I appreciate that. You know? And I think it's funny you say that, like, uh, with, it's like, people always ask me, Spencer, like, do you still wrestle? I hear that all the time. What are you doing now? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I, I just started. That's how I think. Because freestyle is what I always wanted to do. I didn't know anything about college until I was like 15. I never watched college. I didn't even know it existed, really. All I watched were Olympic champs. I knew every Olympic champ's name from the 1972 Olympics, you know, all the way up until, you know, 2008 and 12 when I was a kid. And that's all I knew. So when I, people were like, oh, what are you going to do now? And I'm like, I'm going to, you know, chase the dream that I've been chasing since I was six years old. So, you know, people say like, what are you doing now? You know, I just started again. So that's why I appreciate you saying that. Yeah, I'm excited for what that's going to look like. Appreciate that, man. So good. Okay. Well, Spencer, (laughs) thank you so much. And I will say last night I was at the women's game and they played your um, walkout song. Uh, And it just didn't feel the same. I was like, (laughs) I started, it was like, doom, Dude, and I'm like looking toward the tunnel, like, is he coming? <laughs> is it I time still to can't go? listen to that song. <laughs> that would get me nervous, man. Dude, chills instantly. Yeah. So cool. But make my heart beat. <laughs> <laughs> Start it. Cue it. Hey, it was so cool to have you on. Thank you so yeah, much. No, yeah, thanks, thanks for having for me, guys. Sorry. I yeah, appreciate it. Yeah, we uh, we look forward to watching you in the Olympic trials and obviously wish you all the best. Yeah, we have our red, white, and blue on. There we go. Yeah, I got red, white, and blue in my shoes. So. Nice. Red, white, and blue. <laughs> Love to see it. Hey, yeah. best of luck. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you guys thanks. so much. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Well, hey, thank you guys so much for listening. We appreciate all of your support as always on social media, YouTube, Spotify, iTunes, whatever it is, however you're listening. Please keep up to date. Turn on your notifications on all of that so you can stay up to date with all things Talking Hawks um, in the off season. So um, look forward to 2024. Obviously, best of luck to Spencer and we'll see you guys soon. Go Hawks. (laughs) 